0: With SnowballEffect.co.nz, high-growth investing made simple.
1: And on the huddle with us, us, with us this evening, we have Trish Sherson of Sherson Willis PR and Neil Jones of Capital NZ. Hi, you two. Hello. Hello. You know, Trish, I was listening to Gavin and thinking maybe the truth is that there is no place in newspapers anymore for these gossip rags. What do you think?
2: I think the thing that that worried me about what happened here, it seemed to be a the ultimatum that was sent to Rebel Wilson basically saying you've got two days and then we're going to publish and then it was the really bitchy comment by um, the gossip columnist in the Sydney Morning Herald which said, you know, we had given her two days. It's just it's not the type of thing that there should be any ultimatum around for people and I would also say, you know, even if Rebel Wilson at the time she chose had wanted to discuss this publicly and had done that on her own social channels. The Sitting Morning Herald still could have got just as much clickbait out of it uh, as doing it the other way around. So I think it's pretty grubby.
1: Um, was it, Neil, do you think, an ultimatum or was it simply a deadline?
0: No, it's, it's definitely an ultimatum. Um, the, 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 the media may not think it's that, but if you tell someone I'm going to publish a secret about you in two days, um, what's your comment? You don't really have much choice other yeah. than to you know, choose how you frame it and go and go out or to basically falter their story. And I think Rebel Wilson did the right thing in the circumstances, which was to take control of the story and release it herself. But she should never been put in that situation. And I do think, you know, I take a really dim view of these media outlets that proffer from the sort of muck. You know, there's no public interest here. They're not Wilbur and Bernstein uncovering corruption at the highest levels. They're, they're just <laughs> mucky people trying to get eyeballs on their platforms so they can make money. And we should we should see this for what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Listen, I want to talk about the cabinet reshuffle. But before we do that, the PCR test business, Trish, this is ridiculous. So the guy gets a PCR test one minute before the 48-hour off, and he's not allowed back into the country. Why are we even doing PCR tests before people come home to New Zealand? You know, it's
2: funny, I had two people over the weekend who'd just been to Sydney saying to me, this is an absolute disgrace what the New Zealand government is making New Zealanders do to get back into their own country. So one of the examples was a couple had gone to Sydney for the weekend, were coming home, you know, you go through all the driver at Sydney Airport, you have to upload the QR code. When you get to this, you know, automatic passport scanning at this end, you have to scan your QR code. There was a failure with the QR code, every person who had come off that flight then backed up in that that part of the terminal. And it took two hours and 50 (laughs) minutes to get through. No, and get this. And then finally, when you get through customs, you are presented as a New Zealander with a welcome to New Zealand pack with three rat tests and you spend the next 10 days with the Ministry of Health sending you emails about whether or not you've done your test. This is an absolute
1: (sighs) joke. Neil, it's a waste of resources and a waste of people's time. Time is precious. We've got COVID in the country. Why are we doing this?
0: Look, I I think, you know, it's a relatively low bar to do a rat test. The PCR is an option, but you can just do a rat test. I mean, I haven't been overseas in recent times, but a mate of mine did last week, um, said basically he went to the airport, did a rat, sat down, had a coffee, and that was it. So I'm sure there are cases where the system doesn't work, but it's pretty low bar. But
2: why? Why are we doing it? Have you had COVID
0: or not? The the reason why is it does help to protect other people on the flight, and it does provide some screening. But look, the good news for those who are concerned about it, the government is getting rid of it and at the end of July. They've indicated so it is going to go. But for now, I think it's pretty low bar to be honest. We, we, we can't <laughs> we know we can't pretend COVID's over. It's, it is still here. It is still a risk to some people, and I don't mind doing a RAT test. 10 minutes, oh. have a coffee, you can get on the plane.
1: Neil, come on, be more reasonable. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk about the Cabinet reshuffle back of the huddle, Trish Huss and Neil Jones. Neil, um, Trevor getting a diplomatic posting, that's um, a bit on the nose, isn't it?
0: Uh, look, I know he's not the most popular with a lot of people. I actually have a soft spot for Trevor personally, and the reason why is I'm a former parliamentary staffer, and you're probably aware from some of the media coverage that parliamentary staff have got a pretty rough ride. And Trevor's actually done a lot more for parliamentary staff than any other speaker I've heard of. Um, He's done a lot of work to make parliament more family friendly and he's removed a bunch of archaic rules. And I know he wasn't always his own best friend. He he got on the wrong side of a lot of stories, sort of became a lightning rod for criticism. And as I say, it was largely his own doing. Um, But, you know, good on him. I think he's on 35 years. We should, you know, have the grace, I think, to wish him well. And I think he'll be fine in Dublin. Um, the guy loves a whiskey. I'm sure he'll have plenty of time on the whiskeys, hoping not too many. With the, that's, the what Irish. I'm
1: worried. that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Trish, he goes around calling innocent people, an innocent man a rapist yeah. in New Zealand while under the gaze of the Prime Minister and sober. Imagine what he's going to do after a few whiskeys
2: on the other side of the world. Well, and, and what is the qualification to become a senior diplomat? I mean, is it just because you've sat in Parliament for 35 years and that's it? I, I just think this is, um, you know, it's, it's bad on both sides. Mallard should have the self-awareness to go, look, I've done my bit and uh, that's it. And it's not a job that you get because you feel you're entitled to it. And the Prime Minister should be thinking about actually how New Zealand needs to be represented on the world stage. Oh,
1: jeez, Neil, I tell you what, it'll take one bad story out of Ireland for Jacinda to regret it, and it will go bad.
0: Eh? I hope he's on his best behaviour is all I can say, Heather.
1: Yeah, well, you would have thought that, given that he was in, what, the third, constitutionally the third most important position in the country. He would have been already on his best behaviour, but one can only hope. Um, Porto, now, why do you reckon she's been dumped, Neil?
0: Look, I mean, we've discussed this before, here. There, I think, you know, New Zealanders want to have confidence that their police ministers like, you know, arresting crims and putting them away. And I think, well, <laughs> Porto, if you look at the stuff she did, you know, she did a lot of stuff to get more cops on the beat. You know, lots of arrests, lots of money in the budget. But I think she just didn't give people confidence. And I think the PM recognised that today and realised she had to sort of change the person there to change the story. And Chris Hipkins, you know, he's, he's a sort of no-nonsense guy. He's the Mr Fix-It. He's the guy she put in charge of COVID when that was uh, when um, David Clark went on his bike. So I think he'll do a good job. Um, I think he's got the right kind of attitude and, you know, he's got a big challenge ahead of him, but he's got to give New Zealanders confidence that there's a plan to actually deal with the issues of crime we're seeing at the moment.
1: Do you reckon, Trish, that uh, Chris farfoy when he wanted to leave at the last election, should have been encouraged to stay and You know, now we've got a situation where he's being moved on and God knows what happens. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I think there's a couple of things about today's reshuffle. One is it shows you that there aren't a lot of options for for any new blood to reshuffle in. I mean, the silence of, of people, even you know, commentators close to politics, uh, you know, the, the silence about any Labor MPs who should be getting a cabinet post because they're outstanding is absolutely deafening. I
0: can, get, um, I can give you half a dozen.
2: And when and then when it comes to far. I mean, it's a real shame because he was seen to do a good job in his first term in commerce, but he's definitely been uh, MIA. When it comes to uh, portal. you know, my question would be, well, if you can't stop a ram raid at Louis Vuitton on Queen Street, how are you going to save the Kiwi? And then, you know, the bigger question on today's cabinet reshuffle is, is it going to um, turn the frown upside down for voters uh, and get the polls turned around for Labour? Is it going to fix the problems in those big portfolios? I would say no to both of those things. Possibly so.
1: Guys, it's really good to talk to you. It was, it was a pleasure. Uh, Neil Jones, Capital NZ, Trish Sherson, Scherson Willis, PR.